It's time for episode 133 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 20th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast to which you while away the hours. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined across this fair country of ours by my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dan. That was really nice grammar you did there. I appreciate it. You didn't want to end you know, in a preposition, and good job. Yeah. Four so, years of, uh, of college with an English degree, I feel like maybe that's the only thing I've learned from it, but hey, that's something. Fancy book learning you got there. Yeah, that was, that, that was worth every penny of that, more than $100,000, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure. We have two fantastic guests with us today. To my left... My co-host at the Rebound and uh, the the proprietor of a very nice website, Mr. John Moltz. Hello, Earthlings. <laughs> Are you in space? Tell me more. I'm interested. And to my left, a first-time Clockwise guest. Uh, she teaches at the UC Berkeley Journalism School. She is the author of We Have the Technology, How Biohackers, Foodies, Physicians, and Scientists Are Transforming Human Perception One Sense at a Time. That is a very long subtitle. It is extremely long. And most importantly, my former student long ago at the Journalism School, it's Kara Platoni. Hello. Hey, hey guys. Welcome to Clockwise. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It'll be done in less than half an hour. That's the only guarantee we can make. (laughs) If it's not painless, at least it's short. Uh, I am this week's designated co-host, so I'll lead things off. Uh, Earlier this week, Apple released a small update to its MacBook line, um, disappointing many fans out there who had expected perhaps somewhat unreasonably a huge overhaul of the computer that Apple introduced, I believe, just last year. Uh, so my question for you guys are, are you disappointed or are you just like, well, hey, this is this is just the way these things go? John, how do you feel about new MacBooks? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's I think it's OK to be disappointed. Like, I, I think we wanted we wanted we were hoping for more. Right. Um, but. They, for whatever reason, looked at what it was and decided not to give us more. <laughs> so we, it is what it is. And it's still, it kind of still fits in the lineup as it is correctly, right? Because it's, um, it's a little bit faster now and it's got a little more battery life and it's got a retina screen. And so if you want a retina screen, it's not really that bad a deal unless unless you really need more ports. And if you need more ports, then maybe that's going to be a problem for you. And maybe you need to go to either the Air or the Pro. But, um, we're, you know, if you were really hoping for more, then maybe you got to sit this year out and wait another year. Um, but, I, you know, it seems like... <laughs> They they can they get away with what they get away with. They look at the lineup, they look at what they're selling, and they make their decisions. So here we are. Yeah, I think uh, one of the funny things about this about this product release because it, it is just a what we call a speed bump. It's they got put the new Intel processor that they could get and they stuck it in there, and essentially that's all they did. Um, but what I think you found is this is like an echo of last year, which there were when Apple releases product. It's a weird product. It's got one port that is for your charging or for your USB. It's a different kind of USB port than has ever been on a Mac before. Um, but at the same time, it's super thin and light, and uh, the, the 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 chip isn't as fast. The processor, it's a core uh, Intel Core M instead of the i5 and i7s that were in, that are in the MacBook Air still. So it's a strange product, and a lot of people were kind of offended by it for some reason. They because it was not the product that they thought it should be or that they dreamed of, of it being, and they thought, well, it should have another port and it should be faster and all these things that that were decisions that Apple 
didn't make and they disagree with those decisions. That's perfectly fine. What's funny about the reactions to this update is if you if you really read between the lines, what the people who are kind of outraged and saying this is the most disappointing thing in technology this year, which somebody actually wrote, <laughs> and somebody else just said it sucks, which I thought was really incisive commentary, is uh, <laughs> what, what they want is Apple to recant. They want Apple to say, aha, a year later, you've admitted that all those things we said about the, how this is a dumb product that doesn't have these things are wrong. And this is Apple saying, no, this is the product we want it to be for now, at least. And, you know, we can we can talk about the, comp- the complexities of completely redesigning a product after one year and the challenges to the margins and all sorts of other things about the manufacturing process. But I think ultimately that's what it is, is the MacBook is a weird product. A lot of people thought that it should be different from what it was. And Apple doesn't. <laughs> Apple thinks it's <laughs> Apple thinks it's OK. So this is where we are. All right. So I I think it's a little bit weird to say that I'm disappointed in a product that is supremely beautiful and incredibly useful. That seems like an overstatement, but I do have a thought on the idea of one port. Do you guys remember the movie Speed, where Keanu Reeves has to jump the bus over the gap in the freeway? My friend Jessica used to say that that would only work in an ideal frictionless universe. And in a weird way, I think the idea of one port asks us to imagine that we live in a in, I, in an ideal frictionless universe where there is always internet access, where you can get everything you need from the cloud and you never have to yep. move data from another external drive, another computer, you <laughs> never have to daisy chain with anything. I'm speaking to you on a MacBook Pro that still has the DVD slot. And I have to say, having more than one port of entry or exit is really useful. I do not trust the idea that I'm always going to be able to move large video or audio files over the internet. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, I wonder what the overlap is between people who are upset that Apple didn't recant on the MacBook and the people who are upset that Disney threw out the Star Wars Expanded Universe, because I feel like there's a lot of similarities between <laughs> these two crowds. Um, so maybe that's, a, maybe that's a thing. I agree. I mean, I think the MacBook isn't the, uh, it's not the product I would like, though. I feel like it, it keeps edging towards that direction. And, you know, looking back at, at history, I think as many of us have, you know, with the original MacBook Air, the original MacBook Air wasn't really a product. I wanted either, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a perfectly fine product and eventually evolved into a product that I love. So I think that the this is sort of an evolutionary process. Uh, a year in, I don't expect Apple to do a U-turn and change entirely what they're thinking because they rarely do that. Um, so, you know, this is a speed bump and maybe next year or a couple of years from now, we'll see something that's, a, you know, further refined or maybe we'll all be at that point where we only need one port. Thank you all for your input on that topic. John, what do you have for us today? Well, uh, a little, a few days ago, a week, something like that, uh, there was a study that came out by Localytics that said the iPhone SE was only, uh, that it only made up 0.1% of iPhones in use after its first full weekend of sales, which was a lower number than basically all the other iPhones, um, than, the, than the other iPhones checked in out af- after their first weekends, um, going back to like the five. Yes, I think. Um, and this was picked up by, you know, the usual people as an indicator <laughs> that <laughs> you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about, that it uh, isn't doing as well. Um, but there are a few reasons why a phone that, while nice, um, I mean, I have one right here and I very much like it and I'm happy to have it and I think it's better than my success. Um, the uh, the other thing is that he that he noted was that it's now, that the iPhone SE is now backordered. It's backordered and, and I'd 
looked at it today, it's now backordered even more to two to three weeks. So by Apple's standards, at least, it seems like it's doing pretty well um, because they sold out the number that they made. So I was wondering what you guys thought. Do you think uh, did you, did any of you guys buy one of these things? And um, what do you think of it as sort of a, a business move to go back to that form factor? I think it's a I think it's a good move. Um, I think that it's uh, there are a lot of people who want the smaller phone. I think it doesn't have to be the only iPhone. That's the that's the strength of it is that there are the two larger models. So uh, you can get the you can get the iPhone in three sizes now with the same internals. And it's also the lowest price, I believe, I've, brand new iPhone ever, ever. Yeah. Um, and that's really strong. Uh, but I think that also speaks to the point of this is not the hot iPhone that people line up for. This is an iPhone that sells 10% of the iPhone market uh, kind of consistently over the course of two years. And that's not a big splash kind of product. It's just an important product. Um, I don't I don't think there are going to be, you know, huge lines for the iPhone SE necessarily. And that 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 was that's OK that that didn't happen because, um, you know, it's not that it's not that kind of product. It doesn't have the hot new stuff in it. But I think that doesn't mean that it isn't going to be successful for Apple. I, I, I think, you know, what happens is unrealistic expectations where people sort of like with the new MacBooks. I think people sometimes expect Apple to do um just everything has to be the biggest thing ever and if it's not it's a disappointment and that that's a that's unrealistic the iphone se is going to i think be a a a motor that uh, pushes the iphone along but is not the you know it's not the main driver of that of the iphone it's just this this little literally little phone on the side that will do very well for them and that's that's all it was meant to be and i think that's all it will be Gentlemen, I think it is time for us to talk candidly about ladies' pants. <laughs> Finally. 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 Because there is a lot to say about a four-inch phone that can fit in the back of a woman's jeans pocket. Those pockets are small, and you need a small phone if you want to carry your phone around with you comfortably. Um, otherwise, the phone tends to creep slowly out of your back pocket, and then in a worst-case scenario, Fall it will do right what now. it did to me Yeah, during a reading last week. It just eased out of my back pocket and fell down and hit the riser. So I think there are a, a lot of people who are comfortable with a small phone. It's convenient. And I I agree with uh, Jason, which is that this is not supposed to be a, a totally novel new product line. This is supposed to be the replacement prod, uh, product for people like me who have a, a, a five series phone and uh, eventually are going to have to buy a new one. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's, you know, it, I don't see a reason why it should even be constrained to the SE. I mean, that's what they've done. And I gather that the, you know, it does feel like this is an ancillary product. Um, it's got great modern technology in it, which is fantastic. But, you know, and I think I've said before on this show and elsewhere that it makes a lot more sense to me to, in some ways, just have the iPhone be a product line that has three sizes on it, you know, small, medium and large. And, you know, why not? Honestly, we do the same thing with iPads. There's a mini, there's a 9.7 inch and there's the Gigantor Pro. Um, so that's the trademark name, by the way, uh, you know, people have different needs. Uh, people want things, you know, want products of different sizes. We have 11 inch MacBook pros, 13 inch MacBook pros, you know, 15 inch MacBooks. Um, and so why not have phone at all these different sizes? I think as Kara said, there's plenty of good reasons to have, you know, a smaller phone, whether it be your pockets are very small or whether you just prefer having a screen that you can reach all with one hand pretty easily. So I think the SE is a good product. I think it will sell well. I'm curious to see 
if Apple decides that it does well enough to, you know, sort of mandate being part of the product line going forward. I don't think that yeah, will happen this thing. year, but I think that's something that could happen in the next year or two, depending on how well it does. And yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't put too much stock in any of those, you know, estimated numbers of sales because, you know, Apple keeps that, those numbers very closely guarded. Uh, and so you, the best you're doing is sort of back of the envelope calculations. I would be surprised if they were super accurate. So I think the SE is going to do just fine. I know a lot of people who are interested in that size phone, and I'm hopeful that Apple takes that as a sign going forward. All right, that's two topics down. We have two topics left to go. It's halftime. Let me very quickly tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses and not a friendly ghost that you can get for a fraction of the price that you'll find in stores. Um, the mattress industry forces consumers to paying high prices. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings on to you. Casper Mattress provides resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort. It's one of a kind, a hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. Usually mattresses can cost over $1,500. Casper mattresses cost between $500 for a twin, $750 for full, $850 for queen, and $950 for king, and they're all made in the USA. Casper understands buying a mattress online can make you a little bit scared, but it's risk-free because they offer free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. It's that simple. If after you sleep on it for a month or two or three, you decide it's not for you, you can return it to Casper and they will take care of it and you get your money back. Now, lying on a bed for four minutes in a showroom has a lot less correlation to whether it's the right bed for you than lying on it for up to 100 days in your home. And that's why Casper turned this all into a risk-free experience. They understand the importance of truly trying out a mat- mattress that in all reality, you're going to spend about a third of your life on. So it comes in a box, you open it up, it kind of whooshes open and fills the space. It's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, it's vacuum packed and you open it up and it uh, and it comes to life and then you sleep on it. It's pretty great. Uh, I have one and uh, I find it very comfortable. I'm very happy with mine. Listeners of Clockwise can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash Clockwise and using the code Clockwise. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for supporting Clockwise. All right. Topic number three is from me and it's this the people are still talking about this product that doesn't exist the apple car uh motor trend came up with an entire 3d rendered concept of the car that makes it look kind of like a gumdrop a jelly bean i don't know um and rumors also abound that apple is hiring german car engineers which meant all all the german car enthusiasts raised an eyebrow like well what the germans are involved um so i i want to ask all of you if you put yourself in a 2020 frame of mind let's say um and the apple car is coming out uh, try to imagine if you could what's what would you think the biggest selling point of an Apple car would be? What what would they, they say, well, this is why you want to get an Apple car? So uh, for me, uh, as opposed to real people, it's if they put that heartbeat on the back bumper, right? If it's right <laughs> on the lower rear side of the car, we'll just anthropomorphize the heck out of it and make it really adorable. But uh, but but really, so I uh, I read the Motor Trend piece. I, I watched the video that they had. The the moment where it clicked for me for why Apple, why a computer company might want to make a car is if you can essentially turn it into an augmented reality device, so that you're inside the computer, so that the computer has become your personal assistant. So they kind of speculate about this idea of an augmented reality windshield and a sub-dashboard area. 
And it's giving you navigation advice. It's doing things like suggesting destinations to you. It's pre-ordering your food and coffee so that things are ready when you get there. And if they can do that so that your car is actually your concierge and your computer and you're inside the display, yeah, maybe that'll do it. Maybe that will get people to want to buy an Apple car. Yeah, I think it's about walking that fine line. So I think Kara's point that the it's sort of like a smart car in the sense, not in the sense of the trademarkable smart car, but in the sense of a like your smart home, but for your car. Um, as we get more and more stuff that integrates with our car, whether it be the onboard, you know, entertainment and navigation systems or, you know, further technology, you know, you look at a Tesla and look at all the the crazy stuff that's built into that. I think there is also, you know, a fine line between making sure that stuff works really well and also doesn't distract you from driving. Um, and well, I think we're still a ways off from, you know, the the self-driving car, you know, returning to a, a, an era where people were driven around. Um, you know, I think that there's an importance in, in, in elegantly executing that technology in such a way that it doesn't make driving more distracted than it already is, which is pretty distracted. So uh, I think that this, you know, if an Apple car does materialize in the next few years before self-driving technology is really, really ready for prime time, I think it could be sort of a bridge uh, between making our cars just a more pleasant and smarter experience, like all the things that Kara described, and also making sure that our cars are safe and, you know, help us get all these things done without being... Uh, putting us into dangerous situations or colliding with city buses, for example. I like Kara's idea of putting the heartbeat on the bumper because then you uh, can know you can see the people who are having road rage, <laughs> and you can completely you can give them a wide berth. Just stay away from those people. Can I Siri um, text them to know when they, to let them know when they cut me off? <laughs> no, <laughs> that leads to more road rage. Well, first of all, five years from now seems crazy early to get this car. And if it's coming in five years, um, we need to dial back all of our expectations about it because it's not going to be self-driving and it's not going to have like a crazy amount of uh, futuristic features in just five years. So if it's coming in five years, I think the best thing that it could do is, I mean, if any anybody who has used car uh, interfaces – I think if it, if frankly, if it just like if it was electric and it, it made a car interface that was predictable and something that was almost fun to use, that would be it. That would be enough for me because de- dealing with car interfaces, you know, the the electronic interfaces that you get on your dashboard is just a is just a continual nightmare. So, um I would be happy with that within 5 years. Yeah, I think for for me it's uh, looking at the motor tr- trend uh mockups that you know, it's a, a lot of things where it's taking today's things that we think about Apple and just sort of remixing them and saying, yeah, there'll be an Apple menu in the upper left-hand corner of your windshield. <laughs> no. Um but I think it's that it's that hardware software integration if this is t- Tied in with the, you know, with the, with the cloud, and it's got all our data, and it, and and it's got a good interface, and all of those things. Then that would be a, I think, a, a selling point. And the idea that it's just, it's not like other cars, like the like the Tesla to a certain degree, right? Because it's coming from somebody who is not entrenched with a, a century of of car making. I think that's the selling point: is that Apple's got a different take on the car, whatever that take might be. That it's different is probably going to be the biggest selling point up front, and presumably we'll have a design that will make everybody. 
really excited. Um, although in the, even in the next five years, I feel like there, we're going to see more iterations on what an electric car should look like. You can see Tesla struggling with like, what do you do with the grill? Because you don't need a grill anymore. But if you don't have a grill there, it looks really weird. Like you're missing something on your car because we're trained to see cars in a certain way. So, um, you know, it being kind of radically different might be the, the, the way that this, uh, this works too. I'm a little baffled. I'm looking forward to whatever they do, but, um, I'm, I'm kind of still trying to figure out what it might actually look like. All right, we have one topic left. Kara, what is your topic for us? Okay, so I am very interested in cyborgs. And I want to know where on your body are you comfortable wearing a computer and why? So most of us, we have these these phones ill-fitting into our pockets. Uh, you know, you guys all probably went through a phase that I did where you have the laptop in your backpack and it's like a shell on your back. Uh, now we have Apple Watch on the wrist. We've had smart glasses, smart headphones coming out for the face and the head. People aren't all so we sure how they feel about it. Um, a lot of uh, new e-skin sensors now can be stuck on the body that will read out information from your body, maybe even light up. So uh, I want to know, where might that be helpful? Uh, where might it be too close for comfort for you? Yeah, I, I'm okay with wearable technology in the form so far that exists. I'm pretty happy with my Apple Watch, you know, being on my wrist. I think that's a great place to uh, to have a computer or computing functions available. I'd even potentially be convinced to do like smart glasses if they probably looked a little more like actual glasses and a little less like rejected props from Back to the Future Part Two. <laughs> um, I, when it comes to like actually like you know uh, like putting things in or on my body, I feel like I'm a bit more skittish. <laughs> well, I mean, like, hey, I don't even have like you know like a like a tattoo or a pierced ear or anything like that. That's always I'm a, I'm a little squeamish about things like that. So maybe that's just not for me when it comes to implantable technology, um, especially you know depending on things like health risks and the like. I'm pretty confident with also having a, a piece of computing device that I can take off when I need to. I feel like that is a pretty key part of my experience and and even I I don't need to be that much closer to my technology some would argue that I'm too close already. So <laughs> uh, I think for me I'm very confident with computing still being a thing that is discrete. Um so I'm I I guess Kara I'm not the cyborg you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just keep I keep going back to that thing that I used to say in high school which was not in the face, not in the face. <laughs> um <laughs> I yeah, like Dan, I would, I might be willing to wear something on the face if it just looked like regular glasses. Um, and maybe this is just a thing that it takes time to, for society to get through in order to, to the point where we get to the point where we're comfortable, um, having these things all over ourselves. And, but it seems like when you're having a conversation with somebody and there's something going on right between the two of your eyes, it's, really difficult so uh I, I i find that to be a problem it's called eye contact john yeah right exactly i have a problem with eye contact enough as it is without somebody having <laughs> like some flashing lights in between uh the um some of the other stuff i mean i think there's a really good there are many very good reasons why you might want something that's like attached to you all the time or even inside your body if um, you have special medical reasons or many other reasons why that stuff is is extremely appealing. So 
you know, I, I think that's, that's, that was great. It's a, that the future is, is wonderful for that kind of thing. Uh, and again, I'm kind of open to anything that's outside of the facial area, really, at least considering it, uh, depending on whatever the, whatever the features are that it gives you. Uh, I am most comfortable with, I think, sticking something in my ear. <laughs> that's going to be a great, uh, that's going to be a great out of contact soundbite right there. And a great advertising slogan. Stick it in your ear, people. Um, I have in-ear headphones, so I'm actually um, very much comfortable with having things in my ears because I have them all the way inside my ear canals all the time. Um, even when I'm sleeping, no, only when I'm listening to things. Uh, so I feel like that would be a lot thing to have a thing that that uh, can tell me things that talks to me like in the movie her right that uh, it knows stuff and uh, and can and can tell me things and maybe it also monitors I don't know my blood pressure and things whatever it can read out of my ear then it, it can do that but I think the ear like listening <laughs> to, to put things, on, to put on the back of your car and I think exactly and I think that it's um, I think that that's also a, a good in the sense that it's not intrusive and it doesn't uh, kind of blast social conventions and I think that that's good too than not having like a big camera hanging over your forehead so that you can uh, I mean like a lot of the things just don't work with our biology very well until we've got like even even just projecting things into the eye you've got to be out in front of the eye basically to do that at which point you've got a thing in front of your eye so uh, i feel like the ear is a is a kind of logical place and i do like the fact that i've got this device on my wrist that can give me a little tap and nobody else knows that it's happening but i can feel a little bit of a, a tap saying something is going on i think that that too is a nice kind of uh not public uh way of me getting feedback so i like that until you get tapped in your ear <laughs> Man, that is, ow. Yeah, so i've i've always been kind of with dan in the i like to be able to take it off i like to be able to put it away i've got concerns about tracking and surveillance about how much information is being taken off my body and where is that information going but like a lot of other nerds who type a lot I'm also developing some really gnarly repetitive stress symptoms in one of my arms. And I've switched over to voice control for a lot of things. And at first I thought, yeah, this is great. I can just use voice dictation. But now I'm at the point where even that is too slow and too cumbersome. You have to, you have to fix things too often. It, it, it you know, it, it transposes things weirdly. And I've started to think, man, if it gets to the point where I actually had a medical need, where I couldn't use my hands to type, I'm getting that brain implant when I can just when I can interface directly yeah. with the machine and just think <laughs> at it. Uh, yeah, sign me up. I I will do that. And and as as a, it's not it's not that at that point yet. But I am really interested in what Apple is doing with Research Kit and their uh, health their healthcare kit um, with the idea of turning the phone into a a health tracking device. I think that's interesting. I would like to see what people come up. Uh, for, but I would like to see what kind of ideas people come up with for that. So I may be uh, closer to the machine than I thought. Ever closer to the machine. <laughs> <laughs> More willing to get close to the machine than I thought. Uh, well, I think that's uh, four topics. Uh, Jason, we have plenty of time for a bonus topic, right? Uh, very little time, but there is a little Turn, bit. We okay. can squeeze one in. <laughs> we'll be speedy. Um, so many of us obviously are in our offices or other places that we podcast. So I was going to ask if there are uh, any items of special significance that decorate the walls of your office or some other room in your home or workplace. Uh, well, you've been in my office, so uh, you know you know the nerdery that exists there. I have a I have a whole bunch of my old um, comic book posters on the wall, as well as some 
movie posters that I picked up while I was in Japan. And I think kind of my favorite one is um, I have a movie poster from Japan for Blade Runner, um, which is seems seems particularly appropriate to have uh, that movie's poster done in Japanese. So uh, I like that one a lot. So you've been also been here, Dan. So you've seen interesting inside the house. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I have my my bo- most beloved thing is I have a, a pennant, a really well worn um, orange pennant from the San Francisco Giants from Candlestick Park that I got when I was like nine years old, and I still have it. So I I uh, I put it up here in my office, and that's one of the older kind of items that I've got from uh, from way back in my childhood. And uh, you know, I'm a lifelong uh, fan of the Giants, as w- I've mentioned on this show before. So it's a fun it's a fun little thing that has sentimental value on top of it so my office at at uc berkeley in the j school it is a salute to analog technology as you can tell i'm a bit of a technology nostalgic uh, child of the 80s and the 90s so i've got a transistor radio i've got like a glamorous art poster of a handheld uh, analog cassette recorder i've got an old-fashioned top bound uh, spiral reporter's notebook Um, all of the things that my students do not recognize anymore as being anything at all the only thing that i don't have the only nostalgic i don't have is i don't have the old typewriter because i am Mm. done with those things i have no nostalgia for the old typewriter at all Nice. Uh, I, uh, Jason, you've been in my office. You've slept in my office. Try not to sleep in the office too much. Yeah. Um, flanking my computer, I have a uh, Empire Strikes Back poster on one side, which I quite like. And on the other side, I have a framed piece of artwork actually done by a friend of mine who is a, uh, a cartoonist and who I went to elementary school and high school with. Um, I backed her Kickstarter several, several years ago at this point, and one of the rewards was a pencil drawing, which my mother had very nicely framed for me. So I have an original piece of artwork there from one of her books, which is pretty cool. Um, but I need to add some more things. Clearly, my office is looking a little sparse. Anyway, thank you all for that. Uh, I was looking for some home decorating tips, so I feel like I've really uh, got some ideas. I'm going to put a typewriter over here, some Japanese movie posters over here, (laughs) baseball pennant, baseball pennant. Yep, everything will be great. Um, And thank you so much for joining us this week to our two fabulous guests, John Moltz. Thank you for being back. Thank you, Dan. And Carol Plastoni, it was so great having you on. Come back sometime. Uh, Please have me back. This was awesome. Thanks, guys. So that's it. We'll be back next week with more nonsense and also topics. But until then, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.